0: My guest today is the author of the groundbreaking book Consciousness Medicine. She is an expert in somatic psychology and traditional healing practices. She partners with MassTech healers in Mexico to lead life-transforming sacred mushroom ceremonies. She has been a guest on the Tim Ferris podcast, Sam Harris podcast, Michael Pollan, and Gabor Mate had both gave generous praises about her work. If you want to learn more of her work go to her website FrancoiseBozette.com. welcome to noble warrior françoise
1: thank you thank you ck glad to be here
0: so i wanted to first start off by asking you about your book it's such a beautiful articulation you know you take people from the preparation to ceremony to integration i just love the way you described it so why don't we talk a little bit about the creative process how did you come to the book? Was it just a divine download? You just first draft and it's done or was it just, you know, over the decades of your work, you started to just put it all together?
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you for that question. It's a good uh, entry. Um, the book came about because I was, um, Designing and creating a course at the California Institute of Integral Studies in San Francisco, where I was asked to join the East West psychology program as an adjunct faculty. Um, And I was asked to teach a class in um, psychotherapy and expanded states of consciousness. Um, So in taking people through the arc of such experiences, it became really obvious to me to uh, take them through this um, preparatory phase um, and through, of course, the experiential um, phase, uh, at least explaining about the experiential phase and then the integration phase. And through uh, the preparation of this course, Uh, some student of mine, uh, my co-author Christina Hunter, uh, who was taking my class, decided that it was really a valuable amount of material that should be recorded, transcribed, and that she would help me uh, put together this book. Um, My previous um, manner of articulating had been uh, through my training of uh, psychedelic guides and um, people interested in facilitating those, um, those experiences. So essentially the material was there, but it was um, organized for the course uh, at the academic university. And so we recorded these talks, we transcribed these talks and then we fleshed it out with um, with uh, stories and illustration and, and then my personal philosophy about all this started to appear more intricately uh, through the narrative that her and I were having. Also, um, the manuscript was reviewed by um, uh, my friend, Ralph Metzner and also Jim Fadiman uh, mm. as readers of my manuscript before, uh, before the editing process even. And, um, and they were very uh, wonderful. I know them well, so especially Ralph Metzner. Um, and so they were very instrumental at um, giving me inputs and feedbacks and uh, encouragement. Uh, in how to maximize, you know, the quality and the life of this manuscript. So that was that. We did this manuscript. We hired a um, a first reader, uh, Catherine Hiller, and then this other editor, uh, Issei Matsuda, who um, then pitched the book to North Atlantic Book. Essentially, she thought that was really a good um, rendition of this work. Uh, the method and the five aspect model and the way it was organized was meaningful and uh, fruitful to people interested in the field. So she pitched it to North Atlantic book who um, was interested uh, immediately. So we didn't really have to knock on doors, which was
0: fortunate. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. So, so, so it sounds like you already have a lot of material. It's all in your brain. It was just more of an intention setting. Hey, let's birth this book into the world. Let's, you know, hone everything together. And how long did that process take?
1: it took about 5 years from the time of the uh the class started in 2012 the book was published in 2019 so you know it took it took a little while for the book to evolve but 5 years of pretty um regular writing yeah yeah so- and what was what was interesting also is to um realize the uh, very generous support of people um endorsing uh, my work and endorsing my this approach. And what was interesting for me is that um, I I follow what's published out there. Of course, I follow Ralph's book and Jim and other people in the field, which I really respect. Of course, I respect all their uh, creations. And I was not really um, aware that such a book was so um, needed in the field, in a way. I was... For me, How come? Yeah,
2: what was I had been talking, yeah, had been talking about
1: that for so many years. It felt like duh, kind of a normal um, uh, rendition. But I, I, it turned out that people were really uh, gladly surprised that it came out in the field. So it was a wonderful feedback, in a way, of uh, of the, the 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 usefulness of such book. Yeah, that
0: was mm. good. So I'll make it personal. So for me, when I I'm a framework guy. You don't know me, but I'm a framework guy. So I love that you have clear structure. Like mm-hmm. here's all the steps you do for prep, all the steps, all the phases that you go through during ceremony. Here's all the steps you take, mm-hmm. you know, during integration. So I love that. And you also balance it with a lot of like beautiful, like poetic, you know, language and and stories, the, the feminine, you know, expression of who you are. So I love just the balance of mm-hmm. structure, but also the 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 poetry that, that you have mm-hmm. in it.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been, I'm, I'm very systematic. I'm a, someone was very organized in my way of uh, rendering my thoughts and I have a lot of poetry in me. So that was a good combination. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so I have a question for you because, um, you know, I think especially in a spiritual community, you know, they want this like divine downloads, like first draft and just everything comes out beautifully Can you just tell us a little bit of what is it more of a chiseling process? Like you're trying to get every sentence right, the exact wording, or is it just literally just a download and Mm ta-da, there you go.
1: You know, I have to to say that my collaboration with Christina or her precision in um, articulating everything right, she's very precise and I really appreciate that. Uh, really added to my tendency to or my talent we could say of downloading you know I have this download of almost like a a philosophical angle to things or what I think about this work in general of course coming from my own experiences and watching a lot of people go through that and so um, there was an initial structure I should say a skeleton you know the skeleton of the of the method, you know, and the, the like, the skeleton, and then we fleshed out the branches. <laughs> we fleshed out the branches with stories and detail, and really refining the small points of the big uh, bone bone structure. So it was um, more like. And then uh, from this addition, then we refined the the balance between the the, me- the mechanical or technical aspect with the the why this is working why. The, the more intricate, uh, energetic level of uh, of mm. how this work really uh, functions in people's psyche and body.
0: Mm-hmm. So what I'm gathering is is very much a chiseling process rather than a yes. divine download. First yes, draft. Yes, That's yes, it. yes, 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 yeah. yes. I love yes. that. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Um, so why do you think the book resonates so well? For for people in general, is it just the philosophical aspect of it? Is it the structure aspect of it? Is it the stories? Just you know, from a, the, the the maker perspective, mm-hmm. why do you think the book resonated so well?
1: I think the method was really reassuring for people. There was a there was an arc. There are steps to take. It's very reassuring. It creates safety in people's. um, venturing into this field or reflecting on what they have experienced so the the methodology is creating a container of safety which i think is really useful then i think that or i reflect on your question that um my personal sharing in a way my personal reflections on my life which i disclosed uh quite readily and my um my own growth, what this work had done for me as a per- first first account experience and, and testimony was also, uh, I think, um, genuinely convincing for people that I knew what I was talking about because I had experienced it myself. I was really coming from direct experience and sharing. Um, I think also that the, um, the you know, I may say there is a way that fundamentally I have compassion and non-judgment to people's um attempt and struggle attempt to grow and struggle uh, as we grow so i think there's a feeling of acceptance and and that we're all human there's a sort of solidarity feeling that i was trying to really uh share with people that we're all doing our best and it's not easy and and we we um we can step into this level of exploration knowing that you know um, we do the best we can, and there's a acceptance feeling that I think uh, permeates the book, and I think made made people feel seen and um, that they could too uh, walk that path of transformation with compassion mm-hmm. for themselves.
0: So real quick on that note, because um, when it gets to the mind, you know, it's all about structure and scientific backups or you know, anecdotal backup or whatever the thing is, can get very very heady. Right. And often we lose sight of the energetic impression it leaves on people because the famous quote goes, people are not going to remember what you say or you do. They will remember how you make them feel. Right. So was there a more of a energetic checkpoint, chapter to chapter, you know, as you read it out loud to each other or any any of that sort? So then you can basically calibrate. Oh, this is the, the right caliber that I wanted to you know, express in this chapter or that chapter and create an arc accordingly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. My, my main compass uh, through the book was really to keep the accent on our humanity, our, um, like I said, attempt to be the better person we want to be, uh, a sense of self-acceptance and self-support and solidarity amongst ourselves as human beings. And Uh, when I was reading a chapter sometime and things were getting a little theoretical or a little distanced from the direct human experience, I was going back to, let's just, let's just say we, instead of I or you, let's just say we, because we are in there together. And I think that people um, I've heard, people appreciated the we consciousness instead of me pontificating on something I knew because I'm in the same boat. We all, um, I may have more experience in terms of my years or my actual journey experience, but it doesn't mean I'm a better person. You know, I'm just still myself uh, having my life and my own challenges. So I wanted to be really um, unified while keeping a certain, um, how could I say, seniority on the experience? You know, I don't want to minimize my mastery to, Make people feel more comfortable, but yet uh, feel really at the same time a human being, you know?
0: I love that. I mean, to me, plant medicine journeys in general, it's a very mm, unifying experience. It Mm -hmm. strips away any kind of identity. You're an entrepreneur, you're an author, you're this and that. The other thing is like underneath it all, we're all human going through this spiritual journey as a human, right? So, Um, to me, that's one of the reasons why I love that space, because we can all basically embrace our greatest self and also our you know human moments as well. Cause when your head is in a bucket, everyone <laughs> is going exactly. through the same thing.
1: Everybody's uh, everybody's <laughs> the same. Yeah.
0: It doesn't matter who you are, how much money you have, how many followers you have. It just doesn't that's matter. Right. You're just you're right. you're right there.
2: That's right.
0: That's so right. so in your journey, I want to ask this question. Uh, this question is this did you go through sort of an internal journey of, you know, imposter syndrome? Like, who am I to write this book? Who am I to say all these things? And there are this many other books that have said these things before, spiritual texts or otherwise. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us a little bit of maybe the internal transformation as you put this beautiful gift that you uh, Mm -hmm. have crafted together?
1: Well, like I said, I had articulated this... uh philosophy and method before for years to people. So it was not the first time I was actually coming to bring this body of knowledge or wisdom and both uh, to uh, other people. So I had this experience of growing into myself as a person who shares uh, what I share. Um, However, um, it is true that this process of officializing my knowledge by putting it in the public stage was um, a, a a a interesting process of I don't know self empowerment or self a different process of validation of really noticing the in writing how much I knew how much I um, had to share um, how valuable my method was and as I was writing it I was feeling the strength of it of it i mean me but it you know there was a um the validity of it and the uh the helpfulness of it so i was kind of chewing on my own uh value <laughs> goodness or or you know like saying yeah i i know a lot and people were reading some chapter and i said you know you know so much you've been in this for 30 years you know you really have a lot to offer and and I was like, well, yeah, I guess. But, you know, uh, uh, let me see how I can put that together. And so, but but the the, the reflection of others were, was really useful. I was getting it from within myself as I was seeing the book grow. And I was um, seeing back, especially Ralph, you know, I mean, saying, my God, this is fabulous. You know, you really are holding something unique that nobody else can talk about. Because you've been to Mexico and you've had the legitimacy of working with people in a certain framework that you can talk about you've you can talk that you've guided journeys you know for years and that's really um a card that you can play in a way or you can do your field research and share that and so i was i was realizing that there was an importance to my role and what my life had been and my experience that was really uh, valid and important to share so it gave me a sense of okay I have I have things to say <laughs> that are important you know it was an interesting nourishment in a in a way
0: mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful so one of the guests uh said this beautiful quote really left an impression for me he said there's only one of you in all of eternity
2: Mm-hmm.
0: and that's such a statement right because there's mm-hmm. no one ever ever in the past for eons and also no one ever ever to come for eons to come there's only one of you so i'm very very grateful that you took the effort to summarize the, your life's work into this beautiful book
1: thank you thank you yeah yeah it felt like this part this contribution was really unique and i as the book was creating itself in a way with its own life i realized that um uh yeah, my contribution was unique and was singular. You know that it it didn't exist before. It might not exist later, in that unique voice of what my life had been and what I what I could share in my own
0: uh, my own voice. Mm-hmm. And I'm also asking all these questions because I'm putting together my own framework, uh-huh. right? And 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 one of the things that was surprising for me is. In the effort of putting together my own life's work, my own life story into a singular framework that's coherent, right? From from thing to thing to thing, um, there's beauty in using it as a my basically my the highest version of myself and then measure myself against it. Yes. Am I actually practicing the practice that I'm supposedly teaching? Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful thing for me to just constantly yeah. like I have a thing that's right there. Am I if I'm gonna teach this thing. I don't want to be a fraud like hey do as I say not as I do but actually practice the thing like you're actually gaining some kind of mastery so is there anything like that as you're now that you have this beautiful piece of artifact to I suppose measure yourself against
1: yes absolutely I mean it's been really a high task you know to optimize the the arc and the method and then check myself against it so to speak and uh it, you know, the, the writing of the book over the years has been really uh, massaging in myself the, the very, um, uh, you know, uh, the very principle and the very demands of such position as a as a person engaged in journeys, as a person engaged in supporting people in journeys, who I have to be to be as aligned as possible with my own teachings. So it's been interesting to check on my, spiritual practice. So to check on my, you know, how much I am in relationships or what kind of relationships am I cultivating and uh, my, my relationship, you know, all the five aspect model, what is my relationship with my body? Am I really in alignment? Am I healthy? Am I doing the right thing? Am I, you know, emotionally supported and sharing of myself? So, you know, this has been a, a measuring factor as, uh, as my life has unfolded and keeps uh, keeps being quite present for me. So it's been really stabilizing that check checkpoint, you know? Um, mm-hmm.
0: So I would, I'm, I'm re I'm re- recounting recounting um, Aubrey Marcus. You wrote a book called on the day he shared that, Hey, I'm not always perfect. This is basically perfect. To do all these things. And oftentimes I'm not perfect. So um, what are some of the moments for you to say, "All right, I'm falling off the wagon, I'm not following my own practices. Mm-hmm. What do you do to pick yourself back up and so then you can continue the path and keep moving forward? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there are ways that I catch myself. I've caught myself as as you're right. We keep it's a it's a it's a practice of being in balance. you know, we're never really perfectly in balance with everything. I mean, there are moments of life and ebbs and flows, and sometimes I'm traveling the world and I'm, uh, you know, needing to be more solitary at some moments because I'm so uh, outbound. And uh, so I noticed the imbalance there. And so I catch myself back having to carve solitude moments Uh, or I'm, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, I'm busy with, uh, you know, podcasts or interviews or clients work. And then I'm not in the garden enough, you know, I'm at the computer too much and I can, I can feel, I mean, my my system has been pretty, um, how could I say, mm, uh, sensitized to catch and capture the moments where I'm in, in, not in balance. Again, we're not looking perfection, but we're looking like balance. And so I catch myself, I'm in the computer a lot. I'm gonna close it all, stay outside, get some flowers, get some, uh, you know, put my hands in the soil and really being more quiet in, in the earth. So I can, I, I measure and I, catch myself and I do the right thing to help myself be more in balance so it's an ongoing process yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
0: Mm -hmm. so for someone who is watching this right now they may not have the sensitivity shall we say of the awareness of different you know mind body heart and spirit environment relations like all these different acuities that you talked about in the book Mm -hmm. what would you say to someone who is more obtuse right what can they do to uh, i suppose cultivate their sensitivity so that they have that fine refinement to come back to you mm-hmm. know that equanimity that harmony that that balance that you talked about mm-hmm.
1: well i would suggest that people find one practice in each of these aspects of the body emotions spirit community and environment they, they 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 pick they pick one thing that they consider nurturing for them that they consider being uh, something that uplifts the spirit and make them feel that they're in a healthy place, a place of contentment, a place of feeling well. And then they um, gear themselves to maintain that one thing that they do or they pay attention to every day. So it can be simple. It can be drinking more water. It can be drinking less coffee. It can be eating something more or less. It, it just just maybe exercise or walk. Just one practice for each aspect that they feel I can do this, I can maintain this the intention I call it attention to intention or intention to attention you know so they they, they stay aware of the uh willingness or the effort uh, to balance their life and the fact that 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 intention is oriented is already a big step and then the rest is practice
0: mm. beautiful and and for those that says, Uh, CK is doing so great, Francoise is doing so great. I am nowhere near that, you know, that comparison, right? Uh, What would you say to that person?
1: I say I struggle like everybody else. I may have more practice because I wrote the book, because I stayed for years in this thing, you know, and I'm sure Mm. you have skills that I don't have. I'm sure you are very, very uh, evolved and skilled in some territory of life that I have very, very little clue about. So we each have our tendency to mastery or, uh, you know, territory of knowledge. And yeah, I am in, I am in the process of growing and I'm not better. I just have more skill in one specific department that I can offer and you can offer your skill. If I need to have, you know, acupuncture treatment, I'm going to go to an acupuncturist and I don't understand very much about that. And that's okay. I lean on the expert. I receive the expertise and I don't have to own that expertise of acupuncture. It's okay. I don't have to be perfect on that level, but I can lean on someone else's knowledge and and uh, and receive it. So, you know, I mean, I'm a work in progress like everybody else. You know, maybe yeah. I just have a little more practice on that specific skill set.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I really feel you, the, the humility that you have. So thank you very much for, for embodying that. Mm-hmm. So you've been doing this for 30 plus years. You've been going through the ups and downs, the difficulties as well as the, the wins and all these things. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say is the the source of this motivation? Why do you continue forth going on this 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 medicine path, right? The, the path of being a healer. Because mm-hmm. in my opinion, that's that's one of the harder paths, in my opinion, right? So why do you persist after, continue to do this uh, after 30 years?
1: You know, I was raised into a family that really valued solidarity and human support. Uh, it was very prevalent in my family of origin. How my mother and her sisters supported one another when the kids were born. The, you know, I was raised Catholic in a um, uh, community that was very generous and very sharing and very collaborative. And the, this human support was touching, you know, was really something I absorbed early to be showing up for other people and uh, being a good human being uh, in loving and uh, compassion and help if I could. So I think that that really is the foundation of my work, maybe we could say, and that um, helping other people while helping myself and receiving help as well. You know, I don't just, you know, put myself superior, but, but, you know, the, 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 the the fact that we can help each other with different skills, with different approaches is really what community is about for me. We share different things you know, I can buy my bread from the bread maker and I'm really grateful. He knows what he's doing and I can do something else for someone else. And they're happy that I know what I'm doing. So it's a matter of service of creating, um, the human family. and and I've been going through a lot as my book describes at the beginning. and so I have a sense of suffering, I have a sense of pain. I have a sense of what it's like to carry baggage and wounding and uh, what it was for me to what it was like for me to receive really the support of other people who knew what they were doing and and offered uh, a, a skill set, a knowledge, a wisdom, a love. Um, to help me overcome and heal myself or creating the context in which I will heal myself and and that was very touching for me and when I when I realized how much I was able to overcome understand heal uh grow from my fires you know um I realized this is a this is a powerful uh, angle of uh of 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 support, and this is a powerful healing, healing method that I want to uh, harness, or offer, or learn about, um, so I can be a, be a better instrument for other people's support.
0: Mm. I love that. Thank yeah. you so much for for sharing. So, which is actually the perfect segue to you know a lot of people want to know about psychedelic medicine, plant medicine, medicine, all these things. And, and you and I, we had talked previously that um, you're quite familiar with MDMA, secret mushrooms, and ketamine. Mm-hmm. So, for those that are considering, hey, there are all this, all this menu of healing mm-hmm. modalities, mm-hmm. why pick one over the other?
1: Mm. Yeah, well, uh, uh, these three medicines are actually very um, interesting because they go from Uh, MDMA being, I'm going to say that like it's going to be, I have a lot more to say on MDMA, but uh, I'm going to leave that to other experts maybe that can talk about maps and all this, but MDMA is more of an ego builder. Mm. People who are insecure about themselves, who don't have a sense of self-empowerment or self-validation, people who have a lot of trauma and a lot of uh, difficult stories to narrate or uh, feel, uh, r- reminisce, uh, do well with MDMA because it helps them take their, their past or their present situation into a place where they can have empathy for themselves, possibly for other people, uh, but also a sense of inner strength, a sense of capacity, a sense of inner structure that can actually survive and be... Uh, strong in the face of of their ordeal. So MDMA, I call it an ego builder in a positive way. Ego being a positive thing, a sense of strength and agency and identity. It's important to feel strength. A teacher of mine, Ron Kurtz from the Hakomi uh, Method, used to say, uh, you can only lose an ego once you have one so <laughs> you know uh the idea of dissolving the ego with ayahuasca or mushroom or lsd whatever is 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 valid as long as you have one to dissolve so you have to build you have to be strong in your ego and mdma is a really good medicine for that of course as we know in the research that's being um, unfolding now it's a very potent medicine for trauma resolution mm-hmm. exploration and shedding so this is an important piece the um a mushroom is um is a medicine uh, that that tends to um soften, sometimes dissolve the edge of the ego. Mm. And so there is more of a leaning into the sub-layers of the unconscious uh landscape that we each have inside ourselves, as well as the bigger landscape of the unconscious that Jung would call the collective unconscious, the collection, the con- unconscious of humanity, right? right. And uh, mushroom is more of a um circulator it's well MDMA can do that too on the level of traumas but a mushroom is more energetically circulating things that have been stagnant at the bottom of our pet uh, the unconscious and really bring that to the surface and circulate the material that has been undealt with or unacknowledged uh, or buried in shadow uh, zones of our inner selves and for that the mushroom is a really uh, beautiful um, transformer, it's sort of a uh, mm, recycles and reclaims the difficult parts of our history into strength and spirit. Mm. It's really uh, a transmuting uh, modality. And mm. the Mazatec spoke of, speak of that they say that the, the suffering becomes strength, and the mm. pain becomes love, because we are transforming this inner difficulty into something that can support our lives Um, also the mushrooms are very much a medicine of prayer and of spirit and of greater um, cosmic consciousness Mm. uh, is way beyond ourselves that's why it's called a transpersonal medicine uh, versus the mdma which is very much a personal medicine mdma Mm. can solely transport you into great Peacefulness of this of, of, of space and sky. But the um the mushroom is really about transpersonal, what is beyond yourself. So it takes you to what like I said, the, the collective consciousness, but also the cosmic consciousness and the great eternity of, of energy, of transcendence, of uh, consciousness, right? With the big C. Um, and that is a very powerful experience for human beings because. Essentially, that's where we're coming from and that's where we're going back to. Um, so the great sense of belonging to a larger picture is what reassures us profoundly as human beings, And we find a, a sense of plugging into source. We plug back into spirit source during those experiences and they fuel our not only our spirit, but also our life as human beings. We, we, we get strength. We get a spiritual fuel in how to walk this life here. Academy, and ketamine is a the transpersonal of the transpersonal, which is it really uh, in high dose, of course, and that's mm. what I used to uh, be familiar to. There's a lot more mm. uh, titration now of dosage and practices and application, but um, uh, ketamine is really uh, taking you uh, to a place where there's no identity anymore. Mm. There's no sense of I I'm having this experience. Whereas in the mushroom, you can still feel sometimes that you have a name still. In the ketamine, you don't have a name. There is an experience unfolding, and you become that. You become the blue. Or you become the um, the smell. Or you become uh, eternity. You know, it's you become a principle rather than a a concrete a concrete. Uh, a concrete uh, it's it's beyond spirit, even I should mm. say. It's, mm. uh, it's, it's, it's further than spirit. So for some people, I, it's, a, it's a really um, powerful, um, like my teacher used to say, my teacher, Pablo Sanchez, used to say, he used, he used ketamine a lot, actually, as I was starting this work. Um, it was a rehearsal for death.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I ketamine do. is a rehearsal for death. You really go way beyond what you can even conceive of, you know, to go into a a zone that is so um, far from imagination that it becomes like a dying process. And uh, to surrender to that magnitude of effect is quite an experience.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm actually quite curious about the MDMA experience because I've had some experience with ketamine, lots Mm -hmm. of experience with mushrooms, only Mm -hmm. beginning to explore MDMA. What was interesting for me about the MDMA space, because I'm doing basically comparison studies within myself, right? The MDMA experience for me dropped me into a deep uh, meditative state where there's no content. Mm -hmm. Whereas, let's say mushroom ayahuasca, there's a lot of content. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really quite interesting of a space. So hence why I'm exploring that space a lot more. Because in my mind, if I can essentially get into that deep meditative state, loroma, samadhi, whatever the case, whatever words you use to to describe that where there's no content, Mm -hmm. then I can use some proven uh, meditation protocols, enlightenment techniques and so forth to explore that further. Mm -hmm. So um, do you have any comments you want to make about that space?
1: Yes, well, I reflect on what you're saying. It is true. And I know from my own MDMA experiences that the space of bliss and of contentment and of... um, Deep well being is an amazing restorative space that can be very much um, bridging into uh, the mushroom space that can also be of that nature. The thing is, I feel like we each are given or are allowing ourselves to be in an experience that is appropriate for that moment. And uh, MDMA can be extremely restorative, MDMA can be very evocative. And I've learned, you know, in my own way, having, I took MDMA not that long ago, that some places are very, um, they're very unique. You can have an MDMA, I mean, maybe that's what you have had and I hear that, but sometimes MDMA can be surprisingly churning and sometimes Mm. surprisingly blissful. And I see how uh, it's pertinent to my life and it's pertinent to what I need. And you know, it's pertinent to, if I have a blissful place, which I'm glad, <laughs> certainly, I welcome this as the right food for me or the right level of consciousness that I ought to contact. And if I have a place that's journeying, then I'm saying, oh, okay, so I need to look at this territory of my life and that topic or that challenge or that relational field or that personal relationship. So I feel like the journeys are right at the moment for wh- where we are and who we are in our lives, considering all these different elements that are around. So I tend to, I mean, I appreciate your findings and your collecting data on yourself. And, I <laughs> that. and uh, at the same time I'm finding myself, and maybe that's only my, my take on this, that I can't do that. You know, like my, my journeys have been so diverse and so un- not following a track. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's curious for me I'm curious about what you're what you're noticing and you're finding for yourself which is absolutely what you need I mean I'm not contesting that at all but I realize for me you know I have a journey here I have a journey there the same medicine the same person more or less the same life and and I go different places you know so mm. that's interesting right how it affects us so different, uniquely huh
0: mm-hmm. interesting
1: yeah 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 yeah
0: so, so on that note, real quick, I'm known to be the guy who takes notes during uh-huh. journey. <laughs> so, so some people advocate for that. I mean, I'm one of them. Some people say, no, no notes, just experience so you can be fully present. My argument there for me is, uh, hey, if I don't take it down, I'll try to remember it. Then I'm no longer present. So yeah. I need to do it. So for me, that works. So as a facilitator, as a practitioner, as a as a student. What's your opinion about note taking, doing the journey experience?
1: You know, it varies. I'm sorry, it's not a very clear answer, but <laughs> there are some people who love to catch. They don't want to grab as much as they want to catch. They want to catch a thought or remind me, I want to talk about this or, you know, write it down. I'm, I'm having this insight. And I, I do that, you know, I'll do that for them or they'll do that for themselves. And some people are grabby. And grabbing is different. They don't want to. They don't want to miss anything, and they don't want to. They, they and then and then, if we do that one day, I suggest the next time just let it go. Let, mm-hmm. let it go because your mind is is sort of controlling or monitoring the process in order to remember it. Mm-hmm. And we have a journey where you trust that whatever is remained, you know, at the end will will remain, and that that's the important thing too to work with. And and they come out of the journey saying, I was a lot in my journey and I don't remember all of it. And I said, that's okay. Because the medicine has worked on you. And the fact that you know, you don't know what has happened is somewhat irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Somewhat irrelevant. It has relevance, of course, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe things will reveal themselves afterwards in the next days, and next weeks. Impressions of the journey remembrance of the journey. But the point is, what you remember, what you need to remember. And what mm. you don't remember, it's okay because the, the 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 journey has happened and has informed and impacted you. So it's not like it's lost. Might be lost to your mind, but it's not lost to your process.
0: I love that. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's the mind, body, heart, and spirit super, superposition on top of each other, right? So it's yeah. not just about the mind, as you said, grabbing something. Yeah. Let me hold on to this thing because yeah. what I realized for me make it personal. Now, if I grab it, then I lose everything else. And that's, that's not conducive. Right. So my note taking really, and this is not me being public about this. It's not about actually like line by line, copy editing, like, oh yeah, this was really insightful. Check. You know, it's really more just so then I can be present. I know it's contradictory, I, paradoxical, but that's ultimately why I do what I do.
1: I hear you, and it, it's working for you. It's really, it's really fruitful for you. And you don't do that out of grabbing; you do that out of catching, mm. which is, which is great. You know, I had a, I, I've had people doing journeys where they have so much material, so much material. At the end, they don't remember a thing. Mm-hmm. But then the physiology has changed. Mm-hmm. Their body healing has has been you know really set 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 in their in their in their flesh. And they have less of that symptom and they have less of that disease or they have less of that addiction. Mm-hmm. And and whatever has happened on the image and emotion and memories is erased because everything has landed into a physiological mm-hmm. uh, landscape. And that's fascinating, right? I mean, they wanted to remember everything. I said, don't worry. And then they talked to me and I said, I don't remember a thing really, I mean, vaguely, but what I'm noticing is that my body has changed. Mm
2: -hmm. And so,
1: and so, you know, we don't know what happens in the journey happens in the journey. And then we notice how we are transformed on the other side. That's another piece of, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: why do we do journeys, but that's another topic.
0: So actually perfect segue because you've done about 2000, right? These type of uh psilocybin type experiences for people so you must have seen all kinds of uh manifestation of you know Mm -hmm. the journeys and and before during and after right so for you as a practitioner as a therapist What do you look for of like, all right, that was a a good journey. It worked, you know, has transformed this person, helped this person in some way, shape or form. You had alluded to one already, which is the somatic, psychosomatic release of some Mm -hmm. physiological phenomenon. Are there others that you, you know, pay attention to, have your antenna catching?
1: Well, I I believe that everybody's, uh, transformation takes place in the journey, and it takes place on different level. Just like the holistic model uh, suggests, uh, every journey works. Now, there is modulation in that in that statement. Mm. Some journeys are completely transformative, like opening the emotional dam, or mm. healing the body of an illness, or uh, connecting with spirit for someone who is you know not at all. At all in the, you know, in the in the sphere of spirit. So there are some journeys that are radical. And then there are some journeys that are needing to be digested, you know, and needing to be um, felt in life that don't pan out in the journey itself because either people don't remember or it's too vague, or well, they felt this, but they don't know how that works for the intention. You know, there's there's a lot of confusion sometimes in journey. But I do believe that every journey has the perfect outcome, the perfect um, purpose, the perfect uh, function. Uh, some journeys are powerful and some journeys are kind of seemingly less powerful. But the result afterwards, the how we are delivered at the end of the journey is always perfect. And that's part of the work that I think the art of the psychedelic experience is to see that, to see who we are on the other side of an experience. People are very attached to the content of the experience. You know, they mm. kind of materialistically focused on the actual experience. And I'm interested in that, but I'm more interested in, as a practitioner supporting people, I'm more, or yeah, I would say more interested in what they become on the other side of the journey. Because mm. People come to me, people come to me for transformation. People come to me because they have something in life that, you know, they have a bad relationship, they have an illness, they have an addiction, they have a past that is really heavy, they have uh, symptoms of something, you know, even if they're curious, you know, they come here, they said, you know, I heard about this, I really want to experience this. And I say, okay, tell me about your life. What is calling you this? in this place what is inside you feeling that there is a pull towards an experience that could hopefully transform you or try open your mind to change your mind like michael said right what what is the what is the what is the calling inside why are you here and inevitably the intention that gets um formulated defines the journey and defines the other side of the journey. And that's what interests me the most. The the process of transformation. Mm. Naming it, the, naming the wish before, how it works in the journey, what really happened, what really got undone, opened, and then who they are on the other side. I love that. I love this arc of of examination of the of the process and the result.
0: Yeah. In my opinion, um the journey begins when you set your intention so you may i mean not you but whoever generic you you may come with like oh i want a you know million dollar business how do i get an answer for that or i really want to manifest a life partner like that's fine and what what's the why underneath that what is it that you really want to experience and i think in the psychedelic experience in my opinion is beautiful because you may get the the tactical answer that you seek, but then the medicine continue to ask, okay, so then what? Then what? Then what? And that's the the blossoming of um, the, what's really underneath. Do you have any opinions about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think that the intention the, the intention set is a big um, is a big um, focusing uh, moment. And I, like I said, I think that the, um, the moment of of feeling that they want to do a journey is the key for mm. me. There's mm. even, a, I agree, the intention setting, of course, is very important. Noticing what do I want out of this experience? You know, what do I want? But even before the, the moment they contact me, or the moment they feel like they want to contact me, or, you know, there's, a, there's the pre contact place in them that starts to generate the 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 calling you know it's almost like it's uh on the subconscious level there's something at work that starts mm. to orient towards that flame
0: do you help them put words to that desire that core maybe not the yeah. superficial okay so can you walk us through how do you get to that core desire of like, I don't know why, but I'm called to do this. And what yes. what series of questions. Oh, yes.
1: So I said, yeah, you're called to do this. So mm-hmm. what happened? What what was it in you when you heard about that possibility, when you found out about me through your friend or your family member, you know, what, what was happening in you in that moment? And they say, well, I was scared or I was excited or I was hopeful or I, I realized how much I needed this. You know, there's a kind of a, um, the sh- the the shade of intention that starts to shape up, you know, it's almost like it starts to starts to orient them and they start to feel something. Yeah, you know, when I heard that it was a possibility and I was talking to a friend and then I I realized oh, I can do that. I felt I felt like oh my god I can do that. I felt scared, you know, like their psyche already was working even though they hadn't called me yet, you know, and we hadn't talked about intention. So it's important for me to start to. Uh, validate uh the the call of their soul i want to mm-hmm. say you know there's a a seeing of something that oriented them that was deeper that they could formulate and it's a seed you know it's a seed by the time they call me and by the time we talk and by the time they set the intention we're way into the work already mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. way into the work so i like to catch the the moment of orientation and mm-hmm. what that feels like for them
0: I love that. That is the artistry of being a space holder. So thank you for demonstrating that. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I want to double clicking on mushrooms, since you know that's your expertise. So what are some of the misconceptions that most people have about sacred mushrooms? And I wanted to offer to paint a little context before you answer. Your mushroom is relatively easily accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, is pretty affordable, right? So it's not hundreds of dollars. It's like pretty you know, tens of dollars, and then you can actually acquire whatever mushroom that you want. And uh, so most people probably start off there just because mm-hmm. of the accessibility. And so what are some of the misconceptions that most people have about sacred mushrooms?
1: Mm. I think that people, um, again, i would generalize here, right? Because I want to, there's plenty of people who orient themselves towards mushroom differently, but there's a bit of um, extractiveness or uh, I will venture to say maybe a lack of respect towards mushroom as a easily accessible, we can buy a bag bag of shrooms, you know, and we can drop shrooms and be with friends at the party or even do something, uh, you know, ourselves. And the fact that it's accessible and easy Uh, for some people, tends to um, overshadow the deep sacredness of this Mm -hmm. Mm place. It tends to be too easy. Um, You know, if it was Mm -hmm. hard to get and you need to brew the thing in the jungle or, you know, you have to actually, it's, it's hard to acquire or you don't know, you know, it would be considered more with more awe. But because mm-hmm. it's uh, it's an easy, you can grow them, you can buy them, you can you know it's it's cheap, you know, it tends to be a, a little bit objectified. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a that that misconception that it's easy, that it's an easy medicine. It's not an easy medicine. It's a very complex medicine,
2: mm. and it's
1: uh, it's an ancient medicine, as you well know from different movies. It's a very ancient medicine that is fundamental to our planet. And so, connecting with mushroom is a big ordeal because it really takes us back to our origins mm. and our our making a, of, of of life on this planet. So, it's a it's a deep venture. It's a it's a deep venturing on on how we are human beings and how we are. And then there is all this, you know, principles of the mushroom the connectedness and you know mycelial consciousness and all this. And when we eat mushroom, the misconception is that we're eating a medicine, but we we, we often forget that we're really connecting with a, a massive intelligence of Earth. Mm. And so the, the concept, misconception of us, okay, okay, we're going to take some mushroom and we're going to fly or we're going to go into, um, you know, cosmic land or... Um, have good time with some friends over, you know, a campfire and sing songs and, which is fine, which is fine. I'm not saying it's disrespectful necessarily to be with friends and have an intentional, you know, uh, experience. But the misconception is that it's going to be easy and light. And mushrooms mm-hmm. are are always so easy and light. They They can take people into very uh, deep places like Sam Harris was talking about his experience on his podcast with, with me he was talking about that that it was you know it was not an unintentional journey but it was very scary and it was very powerful and very, he was not prepared for it so taking lightly something that is really mighty fundamentally uh, you know it, it it's 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 it can be the uh yeah it's a misconception you know that they're easy and you can take mushroom and that's that's cool and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful undertaking.
0: Yeah, it's similar to a spark, right? If you don't treat a spark with yeah. respect, exactly. it's gonna create a yeah. <laughs> burn down the whole forest, right? Exactly.
1: So it kinda,
0: is, it is
1: a, you're yeah. right. It is very similar to that. It's a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to take mushroom, Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so somebody who has guided people over two thousand journeys and who have had hundreds of journeys yourself. Um, you know mushroom really really well on a deep level right you've been doing this for 30 plus years and so from a black belt's perspective right somebody <laughs> who is doing this for a long time give us a glimpse of the the the, the grandiosity right the, of what's possible of the power or the wisdom that you had talked about earlier
1: I'm gonna answer that with maybe an answer that, mm, I don't know, you'll see if that fits your your question. But um, when we take mushrooms, we become mushrooms. Mm. The entire entire proposition is to die to ourselves, to become the organism that we are consuming, to become that sacrament of earth to us human being and to remove ourselves from our identity, our thoughts, our attachments, our human nature, to become, to shift, and to become the mushroom and understand who they are, what they do, and why they're here. And then when we are them, we are informed by an intelligence that is so primordial to this planet that we understand our human beingness. Um, the landscape of the mushroom, the colors of the mushroom, the fundamental bridge between the depth of earth and the luminosity of the sky is what we are walking as human being. And when we understand the, the bridge that we are, you know, we are a bridge between the depth of darkness and the brightness of light, right? And this, that's what the mushroom teaches us. It, it's a lesson in being human being. It's a lesson in incarnation. And we are taught by being them who we are as human. And so, you know, having an organism that is essentially underground, right? And that is informed by the mystery of what we cannot see And show up above the ground for our consumption so we will penetrate the depth of our inner self and the depth of earth and understand the message that is the same of our inner self and earth is the same. Is the hidden um, mystery of the unknown and unseen. And, And we don't have to know and see everything, but we can rest in what we don't know. We can trust what we don't know. And don't understand and that's what the mushroom teaches. us and mm. when we, we have these principles and concepts downloaded in us by consuming the mushroom we live different lives as human beings we surrender mm. to life we trust the signs we track we are becoming more receptive in a way we're becoming more an animal we recover our uh, nature that is connected with earth mm. Mm -hmm. so the mushroom for me this is what it is about it's about um spirit and matter it's about being a a spirit person being a matter person and how do i balance this razor's edge of life between being a spiritual being and being an earthly being and how do i how do i remember both worlds you know the night and the day and the you know this this oscillation between who i am and for me this is what the mushroom fundamentally pass on to us transmit to us mm-hmm. um now we know that this is the message that i feel i understand in my own version of that i'm not saying i have the wisdom of the mushroom down you know but this is my understanding this is my experience that i can share over repetitive journeys and repetitive download that seem to have confirmed something for me or that's where I go let's put it mm-hmm. this way maybe mm-hmm. someone else would have a completely different theory and a completely different sharing of what mushrooms really accomplish in us this is only my my experience and again I'm I'm saying that really with um, how could I say the limitation of who I am as a, as a person transcribing that translating that right I mean, I'm sure Terence McKenna had a different narrative or Ralph had a different narrative. You know, people have a different narrative because we're unique being. This is my narrative, right? Again, I don't mean to tell the truth of the universe, but um, but what's happening also as we, as we ingest the mushrooms, you know, we realize that the mushrooms are doing a melting, the melting things inside us, as we very well know it on a physiological level, right? That's pretty obvious. They melt our... Um, contractions. They, they liquefy us. Mm. They, they, um, they're mushrooms, you know, they eat us, they eat us, they compost us, you know, they, they actually reduce us to nothing because we need to die again. We need to be chewed by the mushroom in order to reappear in order for the, for the wisdom of the mushroom to reveal itself. We need to die. And the mushroom is a, is a dying, um, compound in a good way, you know, but also in a scary way, you know, I I know I've been dying on the mushroom and it's not funny, you know, but um, this, this feeling of really melting into the ground, you know, melting into nothing and being, you know, chewed and liquefied is, is really what um, permits the emergence of something else. Mm. So, a mushroom is a dying process, you know, it's a dying, impermanence, revival, rebirth. Uh, it's it's a very fascinating um work. It's a labor of um of dying and being reborn, really, every time. And it's, you know, you would think, oh well, I've, she's been dead and reborn, you know, fifty thousand times, but but no. Every time is the new thing. Every time there's a miracle in this feeling of disappearing and blending into the ground because that, that moment that I soak myself into the earth, I become her and I become that intelligence. You see, I disappear from my mind and my thoughts and my whatever and I become nothing and that nothing is where the wisdom is poured into my spirit. And then when I come back, when the mushroom ends and my myself regroups, I become informed with a message. So for me, this is how it works.
0: Mm. What a beautiful articulation! I so appreciate the metaphors as you're speaking. You know, the image comes to mind where you're playing with your garden, right in the soil, mm-hmm. and the image of the, being on the razor's edge of being mm-hmm. a spiritual person, a spirit, and also matter melting into the ground Mm -hmm. um i can really feel a lot of um respect reverence that you have with mushroom and it's so different than mine because i i didn't have that so you're literally maybe not literally but blowing my mind (laughs) in the moment like oh wow you know what a relationship to Mm -hmm. um to have with this mm-hmm. sacred um, plant, the mushrooms. So th- thank you so much. Really, really.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important, you know, as we consume these organisms from Earth, that we really realize Earth is growing them, and what does she has to tell us through her little plants or mushroom or vine or leaves or seeds? You know, Julieta, and I think I end my book like this, um, because that's a most potent message we can possibly draw from all this sacred medicine, you know, grown on earth. I'm talking now, natural medicine, is that this is this is the intelligence and the wisdom of earth for human beings. This is what she gives us to heal, to heal our consciousness, to become better people, to love one another better, to treat other, you know, to understand her power. And so we need to I think as people consuming natural organism to really understand where they come from. They're not just in vacuum, you know, okay, we have a bag of mushroom or we have a cup of ayahuasca, but like, where does that come from? Who's producing this? You know, how, how are we blessed with the intelligence and the wisdom of this planet as an organism to generate this, this organisms, you know, this, this, this medicines, for our conception, how how wise, you know, how helpful, and how general, how intelligent that is,
2: right?
0: Mm. I came across a beautiful articulation of the current state of affair that we have today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll I'll do my best to articulate it. Uh, the The sentence says something along the line of, "We have caveman emotions." Medieval institutions and godlike technologies. Uh huh. Go. <laughs> so, 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 from your perspective, in terms of the evolution of the collective consciousness, the individual consciousness, how do you feel mushroom play a role in helping us evolve as, mm-hmm. you know, individuals, community, society as a whole? Because um, you know, we have a lot of. God-like technologies now that could potentially wipe us out potentially hopefully yeah. that doesn't happen right yeah. so in my my consciousness work is so important so do you have any opinions about how mushroom is helping us evolve either individually or collectively
1: mm-hmm. i think the 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 knowledge of what mushroom accomplished with fantastic fungi or with uh you know michael's uh, movie how to change your mind and maybe I'm sure others, and uh, uh, Marilyn Sheldrick's book, Entangled Life, for example, um, are really um, informing society on, as in this case, what mushrooms can really uh, accomplish on the level of uh, the planet, on the level of um, our interconnectedness uh, through understanding the interconnectedness of the natural world through um um mycelium uh inter- interchange. So I think that as this as this information permeates, hopefully, the social uh mentality, we can start to understand the the value and benefit of what mushrooms can accomplish on the level of society by making us more um so uh, is, you know in solidarity with each other, but making us more equal, by making us more compassionate or mutually supportive or forgiving or um attentive. Uh, and I think the um yeah the, the the presence of mushroom as a healing modality as a healing organism is um can make society evolve can make society be a more intelligent and hopefully compassionate uh Territory for evolution. You know. Mm. Um, after all, like I said earlier, we come from mushrooms. Maybe we need to return to mushrooms to evolve.
2: Mm.
1: You know, so to lean on mushroom to lean on them to 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 remember where we come from and and learn again. Look back to where we're coming from if we want to evolve in a way mm. that is informed by wisdom. Mm.
0: Thank you. So the name of the podcast is Noble Warrior. As you mm-hmm. may have guessed, I have a martial art background, right? So coming from someone who is a black belt, who's led 2000, you know, ceremonies, what would you say if someone who is compelled, who's enrolled, who's like, yes, I want to learn more about mm-hmm. mushrooms and the wisdom that it has to offer. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that person? Is it I would just throw out some options to microdose all the time. So you can, you know, throughout learn, learn about it throughout the day. Is it heroic dose, you know, every three months, you know, Mm -hmm. to learn more about mushrooms. So from a practitioner, knowing what you know today, what would you say to someone who wants to learn more about the wisdom that the mushroom has to offer?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Well, first of all, I want to, I want to name or reflect on the name of your podcast, because I think that a warrior A noble warrior is a very beautiful word, terminology, because um, it applies certainly to martial art and many different practices. But it really applies to the undertaking of um, psychedelic journey with mushroom. Because, you know, to have the courage to go inward and cross the barriers of fear and cross the barrier of history or cultural oppression requires a lot of courage. And it's a warriorship path. To go inside oneself and really face the ordeal—it's really the it's really the hero's journey, right? And so, uh, it takes a lot of warriorship to to have the courage to face oneself. It's probably the most scary thing there is, and it creates a a, a sense of nobility, you know, to to stand to stand in the face of fear and to move forward anyway. With a sense of, uh, in, hopefully, internal compass and internal uh, anchor, with the support of masters around to to walk that path of warriorship. You know, it's it's it forges strength and it forges courage to walk that path of psychedelic. So I just wanted to reflect on that because um, it's very much a path of warrior. So that was for my reflection on your title. Um, As far as dosage go, you know. um,
0: Actually, the question was, how does one walk the path to learn more about, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the wisdom of the mushroom? So,
1: yeah. Macrodosing is a very interesting entry point as far as getting into a relationship with the mushroom as an entity, as an energy, almost as a color and has a. Uh, our bodies invite that um, medicine to find its way through our our subtle energies. So I like microdosing, and I like to suggest people to microdose because there is a a sense of habituation to a frequency almost. It's almost like doing flower essence, right? Or different um, uh, different herbal approaches that are very uh, um and yet potent on other level. Um, So microdosing is a very good approach and I feel like it's actually quite potent. Um, I use it myself, I suggest it to other people. I have protocols that um, that I've created in order to invite people into this space, to really look at what is happening for them. Look how they, of course, do the ingestion and the dosage and all, and then look at the eff- effect and impact of the microdosing. So, I have a whole protocol that I've created for that because I feel um, responsible for supporting people through this microdosing uh, arc. It's a very powerful, transformative um, process. Um, people who want to explore a little deeper the edge of having their consciousness or their perception being altered. Uh, can benefit from, you know, a light dose, maybe, I don't know, a gram, uh, mushroom to, of course, in a ritual way and with intentionality and with a good set, um, uh, maybe someone present on the premises, maybe not necessarily in the room, but on the premises in case, you know, there's some a little material that flares up. Um, so a, a light dose can be really beautiful in getting to know how to open up. And how to agree to let the mushroom work with our bodies and welcome the images or the emotions that or the material that emerges. Uh, it's very interesting to track the how things are appearing from inside our heart, almost huh? in those uh, places of light dosage. Um, and as time goes, someone can amplify the dosage again with maybe a little more. Support ahead of time, a little maybe someone on board to see them through uh, the preparation, the journey, and some integration, some unpacking, and looking at the material. Of course, the the hero's journey or whatever the heroic dose is a is a varies from people to people. I mean, some heroic dose can be light for some people, and you know, massive for others. You know, high doses of mushroom really require a very skilled uh, guide to um, assist, monitor, and track. Tracking is is accessible to to people who have a lot of experience. If I I can track what's going on in someone's journey, I know what's going on in someone's journey, not the image they have, but I know what, I I can feel what they're going through. I can feel if there is fear. I can feel if they are open, feel if they are, I can see even people showing up. I can see that their mother is in the room I can I can track things. that requires a different level of uh, expertise of course. Um, but uh, uh, high doses uh, require someone to be there to track and contain the space. Um, and you know high dosing um, and the effect of high dosing is more positive when there is someone on in when there is a guide, who has gone deep themselves, who has done a lot of work, because that wide space or massive container can really allow people to go deeper into their own journey. The trust, the subliminal trust, and the reliance that is present in the room allows for the depth of the journey. So that's a factor that I consider important here.
0: Beautiful, I so appreciate you. Well, before we complete, Francois, I wanted to first of all thank you so much for sharing your valuable insights and experiences Mm -hmm. with us. It's very evident to me that not only you're dedicated to do this, to walk this path, but you made significant contributions to this field. Mm -hmm. And um, um, I, I feel that it's really important for us to touch upon it, maybe a sensitive topic that has come to my attention through my research. There's been some accusations of misconduct involving, you know, you and what's going on with your husband. So is there anything that you wanted to address those concerns to share your side of the story?
1: Mm -hmm. I know that these accusations have been um, challenging for me, certainly, uh, in the face of my dedication and contribution and effort to be in the field in the best way possible. Also, realize that uh, the people bringing up these accusations I, 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 I feel have been dealing with a lot of personal pain. And I appreciate that and respect that, of course, and uh, acknowledge that um, some things have been difficult for some people in the field of maybe our work or the field of psychedelics in general. Uh, what it brings up, you know, is um, the importance of uh, looking at the role of a guide dynamic between the guide and the person doing the work um uh, the theme of consent also what is possible what is agreed upon uh, before a journey during a journey what is discussed after a journey the, that sometimes the the difficulty during a journey that can be Uh, challenging both for the client and for the guide that are really being fleshed out afterwards and really processed to the satisfaction of everyone. So I think that there is a great um, and very unfortunate but powerful lesson in how to really have a a more uh, detailed dialogue and conversation around power dynamic, consent, uh, what is uh, appropriate or not appropriate to Intervene with during journeys. Um, uh, The shamanic path is a path of intervention. Um, In Mexico, there's a lot of intervention on physical bodies, on energetic bodies, and it's considered normal there. In our culture, you know, we we, we are in a different culture and interfering with people's physical self can be considered um, challenging, you know, intrusive, and and sometimes it can be really involving. and, And so it, it, you know we need to talk about it some more, and I think the topic is valuable for the psychedelic field and I know that after this um accusations went out, a lot of concern and a lot of conversations happened in many different psychedelic milieux, uh which which I think were you know challenging for everyone, but also very fruitful. We need to reassess that. I mean, we need to look at that very clearly and really make sure that nobody is uh. Ending with pain or a feeling of being transgressed or, um, you know, we need to really assess this power dynamic that is very tricky in those fields. So, you know, I regret the acquisition. I regret the impact that it may have had on my life. um, And I regret the pain that has been uh, clearly felt on the other side. And I hope that this is bringing a teaching, you know, that can benefit the field.
0: Thank you so much for your, for your honor's reflection.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. Well, let's, let's bring it up to a close. Yes, what is one thing if people are listening to you, they're inspired by your dedication, your contribution, what's one, and they're, they're in, they're curious about the possibility of, you know, receiving wisdom from the mushroom. Mm-hmm. Is there anything, what's one thing you want to leave them with?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I want to say, make an altar to the mushroom and make an altar to the mushroom in your heart. Let the mushroom reside in you. Let the mushroom uh, be in your life as a torch, as a light torch into dark places. So you can make an altar physically, you know, a little something, a little place that's dedicated to that medicine to keep it present in your mind as you walk around. And then you'll find the mushroom altar inside you that is deepening and broadening and informing you.
0: Hmm. Francois, I so appreciate you just, again, I, I say this throughout the podcast, but I'll make it super clear. Just really appreciate you walking this path, of being a noble warrior right that continue to persist in spite of whatever challenges whatever accusations whatever personal or business or otherwise come your way um like i said earlier in our podcast the the path of a healer in my opinion is one of the more challenging ones of any professions that one can take so i really appreciate you just walk your path with humility with integrity and with honestness, with earnestness. And you had so demonstrated that in our conversation together. So thank you so much for being here on Noble Warrior.
1: Thank you, CK. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, finding myself saying things that I hadn't quite said before.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Mission accomplished.
1: Yeah, you're you're a good uh, (laughs) listener and a good interviewer.
0: (laughs) Thank you.